Is it still the great outdoors? Does getting outside matter? That's the question that we're unpacking on the Sacred Playgrounds podcast today. How do parents feel? How do campers feel when it comes to getting unplugged and when it comes to getting outside? Welcome to the Sacred Playgrounds Podcast, where we dive deep into theology, research, and practical wisdom for camps, retreat centers, and other key ministry spaces. I'm your host, Jared Rendell, camp enthusiast and part of the Sacred Playgrounds team. This podcast features Dr. Jake Sorensen, a scholar and practitioner who's helping leaders think more deeply about outdoor ministry and the impact it's making. Wonder with us what God might have in store at your Sacred Playground. Hey everybody, welcome to the playground. Episode four, season two. Uh, it's Jared here. Jake's here too. Hey Jake. Hey Jared. What a beautiful day. All weather is here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Leaves are changing. They are big time. Yeah. They it was my wife's birthday this last weekend, and we've t- like I've told you she's a fall, she's a big fall fan, and the leaves kind of popped. For her personally is is the is her take on it. Like just for her was the reason. <laughs> I love so it. So we got to do a couple of drives. I did it though. I, I had to do it. I turned the heat on. Yeah. It happened. You know, that's part of it, right? It's part of the transition right? of seasons. Uh, it gets a little cooler. But I also like the cooler weather. You know, I oh, yeah. I, I like um cool evenings um when it's not, you know, 75 degrees in the house in, in the evenings. And and that's that's really nice for me. And I like getting outside in the cool weather and Taking hikes and going hunting, um, I enjoy that. Um, it's a, mm-hmm. that's a, it's always a good excuse for me to get outside and uh, just sit and be still for hours. Um, I absolutely mm-hmm. love it. So I've done that several times already this fall. Uh, just sit in the tree stand and and watch and um, enjoy love being it. outside. Yeah, it's a good thing. It does a lot of good things for us, right? Even even all the way down to this creational, like it is healing and it is. I mean, of course, we talk about summer, especially camp folks. We talk about summer as like, this is our time to get outside. But our family, we get outside in the fall as much and maybe more sometimes than in the summer. Yeah, there's there's great activities always in the fall, right? I mean, you've got uh, around us, we've got orchards and corn mazes and things like that. Um, and it's also a great time to go out and, and do some hikes. Um, you've got people, you know, the, the ones that like their convertibles or their motorcycles, they'll, they'll go on the, the country roads and, and see all the colors. Um, you've got people that that do kayaking and canoeing um, on the streams and the rivers to uh, see the foliage. So a lot of great fall activities and it's it's great to see people outside. Um, so but I'm like you, I like getting outside all the time and uh, as much as I can and whenever I can find those excuses. And so that's why I enjoy things like fishing and hunting, because those are things that I just make sure that I get outside to do those things. And other people have other activities that they do, right? I mean, they got the cross-country skiers that just love getting outside in the winter. Mm-hmm. And the ice fishermen love getting outside in the winter. Water skiers. You've got um, your canoers and kayakers. You've got your ornithologists going out and finding all the birds and, and cataloging the right. birds. Um, and your photographers that go out and love um, photographing nature. So, so many different 
activities and excuses that help us get outdoors. And I hope that everybody who's listening has multiple of those excuses. So, okay. So let me, on that note, let me get your response to this statement. Oh, okay. I'm ready. My son's got a couple of good friends and they're twins. And he's kind of, he spends more time with one of them and they are like constantly, you know, football in the front yard or bikes or, or whatever it is. And the, the twin brother says this statement that you have heard before. I'm just not an outside person. Right. You've heard this. You've heard this from people before. So I, I want to yeah. get your gut reaction to that statement that they're just there are inside people and there are outside people. Uh, my gut reaction is that that doesn't exist. Like we are outdoor people. Like that is what we are. We are created from the dust of the earth. And I mean, this is a theological concept, right? But I'm, I'm, a, I'm a biblical and theological guy. Like God formed us from the dust of the earth to which we will return. Like we are from the earth and we will return to the earth. We are um, eternally connected to the stuff of the universe. We are the stardust, right? I mean, think yeah. of it cosmologically. We are, we are made up of the stuff of exploded stars. Um, and, and God has us intentionally connected to all of life and all of creation here on earth and has breathed into our lungs the breath of life. Um, and I think Amen. separating us from those things and 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 trying to trying to somehow you know get away from creation or say that I'm not an outdoors person is I I mean it's I, I understand where people are coming from, you know, and I I, right. I I get that, right? I get that not everybody loves being outside all the time like me or whatever. Um and some people are allergic to everything and the pollen, right. I mean, is is crazy. And you know, so I, I get those things. Um but it's also there's there's an unnatural bent to it as well. So I definitely encourage people to find a way right yeah yeah find yeah. find the thing that they love you know it's it might just be that they, they don't like hunting and fishing or they don't like canoeing you know like right. i mean there yeah. are other things that they can they can enjoy and love yeah that doesn't have to be one or the other and and like you said this really this really matters for our health physically mentally for how we interact with each other in in community all of that more and more research is coming out about this i mean it's there's always been some, but as we've become more inside people and more reliant on electronic devices, more reliant on temperature controlled environments, um, the more research that has come out about the importance of being outside and being connected with nature. Um, and as you said, healing properties, certainly, certainly physical health. Um, but uh, really in recent years, um, these studies on mental and emotional health um, connected with the outdoors um, and the importance of getting outside. And folks that spend so much of their days inside um, and on screens, um, that being detrimental to human health and societal yeah. health, because it, it, it affects mental health in, in such profound ways. You wrote about this some in the Sacred Playgrounds book. Most, most camps are set in some kind of natural environment and have, you know, have a campus that is at least in part you know, set out in these, in these natural environments. It's an incredibly important part of camp in part because it at least facilitates this being set apart from home, which is one of these five fundamentals that we've talked about in, in, in unique space and set apart space, and particularly in the outdoors. So you've got a whole chapter in the book where you lay a bunch of this out. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's in the name, right? It's Outdoor Ministries. <laughs> outdoor is in the name. And, and so that becomes a really important part of, uh, of what we do in camping ministry and retreat ministry and so forth. 
And and yeah, as you said, one of the five fundamentals that that rose to the top when we did the original Effective Camp project was this concept of being unplugged from home. And the unplugged from home concept um, has, you know, as we talked about, has a dual meaning. Right. Um, whereas we we are taken away from our home environment and the things that we are accustomed to, um, and we are plugged into a new environment. Um, and that environment is intentionally different from our home environment. Um, we are also unplugged literally from our devices. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of times from other electronics and other pieces of technology um, and embedded in these outdoor environments. And so, yeah, I try to write about it um, in the book. Um, and, you know, one of my, you know, you always want to go back and do more um, when, when you do these projects. Um, <laughs> and actually, as I, as, I, as I look at the Sacred Playgrounds book, that's one of the things that I wish I had gone more in depth into, because even even though it didn't rise to the top as much as I would have liked it to in the in the in the research in terms of being unplugged from home has all these uh, all these different meanings. And, you know, the outdoor environment of camp isn't on its own one of the five fundamentals um, that we talk about. And yet it is so important. It's so important to me. It's so important theologically uh, to who we are. And it is an incredibly important element of the camp environment that fits in with actually multiple of the five fundamentals. Right. Sort of facilitates and gives those foundation. You got it. I mean, so you're unplugged from home. Yeah. But you're also in this participatory environment. And part of part of the participatory environment is being outdoors where your senses are 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 all tingling right. and saying what's going on. It's a new novel environment or I'm in this new adventure situation. I'm in the wilderness or I'm in a hailstorm or it's lightning outside or um, I'm out on the in the boundary waters, I'm out on the mountain, I'm, in, I'm out on the river, you know, all these different places that are novel experiences that make it a, a um, an immersive experience um, and a participatory environment. And so it, it really does overlap with multiple of the fundamentals um, and even something like relational. You know, we've done some deeper dives into those camps that are adventure based. Um, and so camps that are, for instance, in the boundary sure. waters, um, out in the wilderness, camps that are in the mountains and doing backpacking trips. So, so intentionally outside of, you know, a, a, a set apart manicured camp environment into the wilderness with a group of people and, and how those particular experiences are so powerful at forming community. Um, and we can mm -hmm. see some of the impacts of those experiences much more so even than what we, we, what we see in sort of these on camp experiences. Um, and so there, there really is something about the wilderness. There's something about these deep dives into uh, the outdoors um, and even camps that have sort of the, the traditional on-site maybe even centralized camp experience uh, where you're in a cabin you're eating eating in a dining hall things like that a lot of times they'll have excursions um, or, or or adventure days where they'll go out and they'll do a canoe trip on the river or they'll do a day hike in the mountains right. or in the hills or they'll go rock climbing um, all these things that are intentionally adventurous, but also intentionally connected with nature. Um, and and you can, we can really see the benefits of those individual activities um, and experiences. Oh, my word. I remember this one summer at camp. Do you have a story that starts like that? Everybody's got a good camp story to share. We're going to create some space right here on the Sacred Playground podcast to share some of those camp stories. Maybe they are crazy. Maybe they're an incredible God moment. Maybe they're hilarious or inspiring or altogether unbelievable. We'd love to hear your camp story. 
So all you do to submit it is fill out a quick form at sacredplaygrounds.com slash campstory. Share a couple of words, and then there's a spot right there to attach your audio recording file of two minutes or less, and there's a chance that could get featured here on the podcast. We'd love to hear your story. It's a really good one. So right now, we are, we're getting a bunch of data back. We're getting a bunch of data from this last summer back, and we're getting a bunch of camper data back. And our, our team has been sifting through you know, initial camper data, a bunch of parent data like right now. And I found it interesting to hear what they're saying, this, to hear what both parents are saying in terms of their, their hopes around this stuff of being outside and, and these technology pieces and what campers are saying too and how their perspectives are even a little different pre-camp and post-camp. Yeah. This is something that we measure because we know it's such an important issue um, and an important topic in our, in our culture today. And we know that kids are more plugged in than ever before. Um, they're more connected to um, technology. Um, they've right. got, you've got 10 year olds with cell phones, right? And they're not just cell phones, they're smartphones, there's a computer in their pocket and they're, they're on their screens constantly. Um, and parents lamenting that their kids are on the screen constantly and wondering what can I do as a parent to help them unplug from this technology? Because this is a, this is a high priority for parents. Um, and a lot of parents wanting them to have experiences outdoors. You know, we've got all this writing that has been, that has been out. You know, if you're familiar with uh, Richard Louv's book, last child in the woods, he talked about nature deficit disorder. Um, this idea that it's actually, wow. it's actually a disorder that, Kids are not exposed to nature more frequently. Um, and, you know, he laments um, kids in their free time today will immediately gravitate towards electronic devices, whereas in previous generations, they would oftentimes, okay, go outside, go do something, go have an adventure. <laughs> so, so yeah, these differences, and, and that, leads to, that leads to some conflict among parents. And, and, and parents, you know, like you're a parent. And so this... It, it becomes really challenging when you hear all these different things from all these different places, right? I want to keep my kids safe. So I've got to make sure that they're supervised at all times. Um, and so I want them to have their phone with them so that they can call me and that I can, you know, use the, the, the find my phone app and, and, and see exactly where right. they are. Um, so there, there, there are those pieces, but then you also get all these pieces of, you know, it's unhealthy for your kid to be on a screen all the time. And we want them to learn about creation and, and experience nature. And so, so you get these conflicting um, narratives uh, as a parent, and you're like, okay, how do I navigate this? How do I be a good parent and allow my kid to participate in society? Because, you know, like, they want to watch their, little, their fun little videos with friends. They want to interact online with their friends. Um, and I don't want them to be on technology all the time. And so... It's really interesting in the parent survey to see some of these things mixing together. And so consistently in the parent survey, since, since we started the Effective Camp Project in 2015 um, and all the way up through this past summer, the single element that they agree on the most in terms of what camp is about is that camp is a place to unplug from technology. Consistently, it's in the high 90 percentile. So this past summer in the Effective Camp Project, it was. 97% of parents agreed with the statement, camp is a place to mm -hmm. unplug from technology. More than agreement with any other statement. So they, they really see this as an important opportunity 
to get their kids in a tech-free environment. And that has numerous benefits for them, right? They, they, want, they want them to interact face-to-face -face with other kids. Uh, they want them to look around them um, and become more uh, socially active. And when they want them to experience nature as well and to right. look up and look around. The parents understand the importance of unplugging from technology. And they overwhelmingly do not want their kids to have cell phones at camp. You know, I, I want to emphasize this to camp directors over and over and over again. Right. That Because it always feels like the battle. It, it, it always feels like the battle, you know, because there are always parents that hide a cell phone in the luggage. You know, and, I, and I've said this before on this podcast, and I say it over and over again. They're not doing it because they want their kids to have access to a cell phone. They want access to their kid. They're worried right. about their kid's safety. And so that is the key. And so if you can help the parents understand that their kid is safe and give them updates and things like that. Yeah, um, in other ways. Then, then you can do that without, without putting a cell phone in the kid's hands. And so the, the, the parents overwhelmingly want their kids unplugged from technology. And this has not changed. Even as technology has gotten more and more as part of our lives, that has not changed. And they do not want their kids to have cell phones at camp overwhelmingly, mm -hmm. even though some are hiding it in their luggage. Um, it's not for the reasons you might think. It's because they want to... They want to know where their kid is, right? right. But what, what you pointed out, I mean, that the interesting juxtaposition, um, so you got this, we want our kids unplugged, right? And you're like, okay, great, that solves it. Um, and then we ask about priorities of camp and what are the most important priorities of camp? And we have six priorities in the, um, in the survey that we list. And those are, you know, to have fun, to make friends, uh, grow in faith, develop character, try new things and uh, learn more appreciation of nature. Okay, so you've got these six different things. Um, and they're all seen as important, you know? Mm -hmm. And so on the one hand, you say, okay, developing a, a deeper appreciation of nature, 76% of parents say that's very or extremely important as part of camp. Mm -hmm. But it's the lowest of the six. And so something like fun and friends and faith, they all, they all end up higher on the list than developing an appreciation of nature and so you know part of it makes sense it's like okay well it's up against these other big concepts of camp right, right? developing character trying new things like the, the the things that we trumpet about the camp experience and yet it's really interesting that you know something like i want my kid unplugged from technology is the very top in terms of agreement level when we ask these agreement questions and and something like um faith should be incorporated into all aspects of camp is much lower in agreement level but when you ask them about the priorities, what's the most important priority of, of camp, nature ends up at the bottom of those, those top six. Those options, yeah. That is interesting. You know, and it makes us think through as we're, as we're wondering what's next, as we're designing program, as we're wondering about how we should use that info. And this, it speaks to the, the differences of camps, really, really. And so, you know, and I, I reflect on this a little bit in the book, but camps are so different we tend to get an idea in our head of what camp is based on what we experienced. Um, but in terms of their connection to nature, camps really run the gamut. I mean, from like and that's immersive yeah. wilderness experience mm -hmm. to like an urban environment where right. the interaction with nature is, you know, this, this, a small playground, you know, with a basketball court. I mean, they, they really are different in terms of, the the um the quality of the outdoor experience and so the, mm -hmm. the question becomes okay how much does the outdoors have to figure into outdoor ministry in order for us to call it camp and is there something that's better or worse and so you, you've got spirited debates in the camping community about 
you know, what qualifies as camp and what doesn't. Um, sure. And, and so the, the five fundamentals of the camp experience, they're broad enough to uh, encompass all of these different mm-hmm. expressions of camp, um, mm-hmm. including the camps that are in sort of an urban environment um, and the ones that are in the wilderness experience. And so, you know, we can say that, you know, the outdoor experience, you know, it should be somewhat more than a potted plant, right? <laughs> you know, but it doesn't have to be the unspoiled wilderness of Shangri-La either, you know? So, so right. how, there, there's a balance somewhere and each camp is in a different spot in terms of their balance. Um, but what I would encourage um, camp directors, retreat directors, conference directors to, to think about is how can you use the environment that you have and the resources that you have to get young people and families and guests more attuned to nature, more connected with nature. Um, that is that is one of our key responsibilities as outdoor ministries, um, because creation care is such an important important mm-hmm. thing. It's an important thing culturally right now, right? I mean, people are talking about it all the time in terms right. of climate change and things like that. Um, but it's also very important for um, personal health and growth um, and the health of our society. So um, it's something that we can really contribute. And again, it's in our name, Outdoor hey, Ministries. This is where they meet, right? This is exactly in the name. And and we see, we see that in the data too, right? Because there's this, there's, this, you know, there's this point in the data where we say a statement, being in nature helps me feel closer to God. Yeah. Really, you know, this is this really key question, but that that is the question that our all of these ministries that that connects them, that that brings them together. So that statement's really important. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's that's in that's in the camper survey. And so we ask that same statement on the first day of camp, the last day of camp, and then three months following camp, right? And so that's right. that's kind of our methodology there. And it's it's an interesting one. I, I like it a lot. I mean, it's an interesting one because there are so many people in the theological community that become allergic to that question because they're worried about, <laughs> you know, pantheism, you know, and things like that. Sure. Uh, they're, they're, they're worried that, you know, we're, we're, we're dumbing down the Christological message. If we try to see God in nature and um, that becomes sort of a, you know, a different sort of theology. And yet the Bible is full of statements and, and stories about interaction with God in the outdoors. Where do people encounter God? On the mountaintop. <laughs> they spent a the year lake. or two in the wilderness. <laughs> you know, the I feel the like seas, there was something on, on the there. waves, in the belly of the fish, right? I mean, it's like all these outdoor environments um, over and over again. Where do you go to connect with God? Moses goes up the mountaintop and he's surrounded by the thunder clouds. Elijah goes up the mountaintop and there's thunder and there's fire, but God is not in the thunder. God is not in the fire. God is in the sound of sheer silence. And so these beautiful stories of the outdoors um, and where we encounter God. And so we shouldn't be surprised at all. And we shouldn't as theologians uh, try Hmm. to, you know, poo poo the idea of encountering God in nature, because this is absolutely biblical. And you look at something like Jesus ministry and it looks a lot like outdoor ministry, right? He's got a small group of disciples and he's leading them from place to place. And every one of his parables, look at his parables. Right. They're, they're all about the outdoors, you know, the mustard seed. And if you have faith as, as small as the mustard seed, you can, you can tell this mulberry bush to go into the, the, the ocean or this mountain to move. Um, they're about uh, sowing seeds. You know, the sower went out to sow um, or the seeds growing mm-hmm. secretly. I mean, there's, there's all these parables about the outdoors. As, 
as I think as I think about that biblically, the especially the first interactions, the first time we meet God for almost all of those stories. I don't know of a single story that I can think of where they met God for the first time in the temple. That's that's after, right? We get, you know, we get, like you just mentioned, all these stories, we meet God for the first time. And I don't know that that's changed all the way to now, that we so often meet God for the first time out there somewhere. And yeah, of course, there is there is church to be had and, and worship to happen and space for tents and tabernacles and temples and, and all of that. That is great. But gosh, so often the first time we meet God is outside and we have to facilitate that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you, you, you hit right on it. I mean, there's, there's, there's talk in theological circles about, you know, temple theology, tabernacle theology, and so forth. And, you know, when they were wandering in the wilderness, the Israelites are wandering in the wilderness and Exodus through Deuteronomy, you know, God doesn't say, stop here and build me a temple. God says, let's build a tent. It's a portable tent. They move from place to right. place to place. Um, God dwells in tents. And so um, when Solomon builds the temple, you know, he says, God doesn't dwell in a temple. <laughs> you know, it's this famous, it's right. this famous prayer and famous, famous speech kind of in first Kings. So, um, okay. So yeah. the thing is we're preaching to the choir right now, right? Sure. I mean, we, we know we're talking about, but there are questions to be asked and audits and assessments that we can take to, to check ourselves and to check our space and to check our people and to check our program right now, because all of these outdoor ministry folks listening right now are saying, yep. Amen. Totally. I get that. That's like part of why I'm doing what I'm doing. Most of them are. Most yeah. of them are. And other people are saying, but, but parents are hiding cell phones in the luggage. Right. But, you know, we've got this beautiful building and we want to use this beautiful building. Right. But it's dangerous to send kids out on the river. It's a lot safer to have them swim in the swimming pool. Right. We don't have time in our schedule to do these long hikes and things like that because we got to do all these other activities that we do. So it's both end, right? There, the people are trying to find a balance and, and I'm, I'm encouraging them to find the balance, but I'm also, <laughs> I'm also encouraging them to tip the scales and say, yeah. this is a priority. This is important. What are you doing to embed your guests? And that includes adults, family campers, and especially the kids in these outdoor environments, novel outdoor environments. And how can you do that more? How can that become more of your focus? And so I think of camps that have swimming pools. Great. It's nice to have a swimming pool. Everybody's got a swimming pool. It's a controlled environment. Do you have a creek for creek splashing? I know I've been to a lot of camps that the kids say, I want to go creek splashing, but oh, that's a lot more work than just going to the swimming pool. Or going and swimming in the lake. That's a lot harder as a lifeguard. I'm, I'm aware of this. It's a lot harder right. to guard a lake than it is to guard a swimming pool, right? So safety is an important consideration. And it's incredibly important to make sure that our kids have interaction with nature. And they want it too, per the data, right? I mean, this, we've got camper data around, around technology. I, yeah. I found that oh, stuff sure. interesting because the assumption of course is like, oh, we know these kids today are stuck on their screens and they don't want to do anything else. This is so good. I mean, like, 
I know I stomped on your question earlier about you, you were you were referring to the camper data. So let's go back to the camper data. This is good. Thanks for bringing me back around. No, you're good. I get off on these tangents, right? I get excited. Preach. Come from a it's a place of it's a place of passion, right? So as well as I mean, be. when we talk about the camper data, you know, in our original um, effective camp interviews, um, you know, we didn't have a question about technology, but we had these focus groups with campers. Um, and I love doing these focus groups and not asking specifically about technology, just asking what's different, you know, about this environment sure. compared to being at home. And technology came up every single time in every one of the focus groups that we did. The outdoors came up every time in the focus groups that we did. And so we, we would say things like, OK, well, what do you think about, you know, being away from technology? And without fail, I love it. It's a relief. People look me in the mm -hmm. eye. I love interacting with the outdoors. I love being in the dark and, and seeing the stars. I mean, there's there's all these things and these experiences that they talk about. And so those sorts of things, we try to capture those in the survey data, but it's really hard to capture them in the survey data because it's so much richer when we get the actual quotes from the campers right. as they're trying to articulate how they feel about being away from technology and saying, yes, I am reliant on my technology, but I don't want to be. But I know that when I get back home, I'm going to go right back to my screens but I love being away from it because people look me in the eyes and it's, it's so fun to interact with people in person. And so we asked it on the first day survey. So um, I find it difficult to be away from technology, such as phone, internet, TV, et cetera. Right. Um, and how frequently is that? Well, 59% of the campers said that at least sometimes they find it difficult to be away from technology. Back home. Sure. And a quarter say often or always they find it difficult to be away from technology. Just think about that for a second. One out of four kids. Right. are saying, yeah, often or always, when I'm away from technology, it's difficult to be away from technology. And that's something that we see in our society, right? If anybody who works with kids can see that. You take their cell phones away, it feels like taking away an appendage, right? Right. And, and people who work in camping now will talk about that in the first couple of days of camp, especially among the you know, eighth graders and on, basically, but high schoolers especially. Um, when you take that cell phone away, it's almost like an addiction. It's almost like they, they go through a period of withdrawal. And it's not until two, three, four days into the experience that they finally start to regulate and get used to this idea of being away from technology. That's why it's so important to have these extended experiences at, at, of at least a week. You know, you can do it for a, a retreat and it's like, okay, I can do that. I can put my cell phone aside for a retreat because I know that I'm going to get it right away. Right. But at camp, it becomes more and more difficult uh, being away from technology. And so, um, we asked the same question on the last day of camp. And so these kids that said, I had trouble be I have trouble being away from technology. You know, sometimes, often, always, I have trouble being away from technology. On the last day of camp, we asked, was it difficult to be away from technology? And um, only 11% of the kids said often or always. And only 25% said sometimes. And so um, it went more than in half, right? So from 59% saying, yes, sometimes, often, or always, I find it difficult to be away from technology, to less than 25% at camp saying, yes, it was difficult to be away from technology. So, so by and large, these kids, even shift. the ones that have trouble being away from technology in other environments, um, do not find it all that difficult at camp. And they say, yes, I love being away from technology when I'm yeah. here at camp because of these other things. So that's a benefit that we see. In terms of the, the interaction with nature and that question that we asked, um, that, that you that you asked about earlier, that being in nature helps me feel closer to God. You know, I said that a lot of people have sort of this theological allergic reaction to this statement. 
And yet it's something that can be beautiful as well, um, because we want young people to see the beauty of God in creation. And so we ask them this on the first day of camp. And, you know, less than two thirds agree with this statement. Um, and by the end of camp, it's, it's much more than two thirds that agree with the statement. And so it's, it's one of those that, that increases in terms of agreement level um, across the entire data set um, in a statistically significant way. And we can see that for as long as we've been doing the study. Even camps that don't grow in other variables tend to grow in this variable, that being in nature helps me feel closer to God. Hmm. And so that that becomes one of those powerful impacts of the camp environment. And we can break it down, too, based on how much interaction do they have with nature? You know, is it a lot? Is it a little? Is it a centralized camp where they're eating all their meals in a dining hall and they're, you know, doing their activities in a large gym space? Or is it more decentralized? Do they do day hikes? Do they do canoe trips? Do they do creek stomping or swim in the lake um, or, or, or these other things in um, intentionally in nature? So those things make a real difference. Yeah, they really do. So if listeners are nodding right now, right, if they're going, yeah, yes, you're right. Like this, that's such a part of the heart of why. I loved camp myself, why I'm working at camp right now, why I'm, why I'm helping lead these outdoor ministries. These words need to stay connected. If they're nodding, what, uh, what do we do? What are some things that we can do to kind of check up on this and make sure that we're maximizing our chances to get outside, our chances to be in nature? What, what are some action steps we could do? So first thing you can do is an audit um, of, of your programs and your, your facilities, really. But start with saying, okay, where are we using plugged-in technology? Right? That's a simple thing. Where is plugged-in technology used? And, and go from everything from, from lights to, you know, using mobile devices and computer screens. You know, so are you projecting words on a screen instead of using song cards? You know, because if you're doing that, then you have to be in a controlled environment in order to project on a screen. Whereas if you're using song cards or you're using call and response, you can be anywhere. Right? And so you can be outside when you're singing those things. So something like that is a change that you can make programmatically that allows you to be in an outdoor environment more and, it, and interacting with the outdoor environment more rather than staring at a screen, right? Simple changes like that. So, so do an audit of where are we using these plugged-in technologies and what are they being used for? Because plugged-in technologies are not necessarily bad, right? Are they, right. Um, are they enhancing the experience or not? In what ways are they enhancing and what ways are they taking away? I think, I think is the question you could ask. Right. Um, because I think of all these, all these new apps. I mean, it's, it's crazy, all these apps that help you interact with nature, right? That you've got plant identification apps. You've got bird mm-hmm. apps that can identify a bird by the song. You know, those are so cool. You've got those star finder apps where you can point at a star and it'll identify the star for Mm -hmm. you. I mean, these are things that can help people interact with nature, right? So you can use technology in positive ways as well. But we also don't want, you know, if we've got, if we walk through our camp at night and you can't see the stars because you've got too many lights on and the lights are pointed up, that's something that you can fix. You can do audits about these things, right? Where are we using plugged in technology? How does it enhance our experience of nature and how does it take away from our experience with nature? Okay. And then you can identify areas that, um, for, for improvement, for instance, you know, I, I mentioned the projection on the screen, you know, that's a simple fix. You do not need to project words on a screen. If you need to project words on a screen at summer camp, 
then you're probably using songs that have too many words in the first place, right? But you can also, there's there's other ways to do it with a songbook, with a with a song card, things like that, where you do not need to be inside projecting words in a controlled environment, right? And so that, that's the first thing, the audit, the assessment. Second, you can look at your site layout and you can look at how are we using the natural beauty that we have? Because every camp has natural beauty, right? They have them to different extents, right? Some are on lakes, some are up in the mountains. I mean, some are extremely obvious, right? Like this is a beautiful place. And some are like, okay, this was land that was donated and this is where the camp is because that's what we've got. You know, right. it's not in a, you know, one of those wilderness areas or something like that. That's okay. You still have um, places that you can go. You've got special places. Um, you've got things you can do to interact with the environment. Now, how are people using those spaces? Do you have, for example, a nature trail? If you do, are they are there guided nature hikes, whether that be, um, you know, with a something you carry with you in, in terms of a pamphlet or something or a, a guide, a person that leads a person through the nature hike or even something like an app um, that leads them through the nature hike? Um, how are you using the outdoor spaces in terms of that? And how is your site laid out? Are your buildings, you know, right there for everybody to see, you know? taking up space and and taking away from the natural environment or are they built into the hillside are they are they surrounded by trees are they tucked away are they part of the natural environment the architecture can really make a difference in terms of how we see our camp so if you're planning a new building or you're planning a new site think about it in terms of how we can work with the land um, and work it into the natural environment so that we enhance the experience of nature rather than detract from it and make it all about our building or about us, things like that. <laughs> so you can do that second thing. And the third thing I will say is advocacy. And this becomes a big piece for outdoor ministries right now uh, because creation care is a big deal. There are many things that we can do to advocate for uh, care for the environment. Um, and so, you know, in, in the area that I'm in, in, in Southwest Wisconsin, you know, there's, there used to be wild prairies everywhere. Um, on the hillsides and and so forth. And so things like prairie restoration and and making sure that you've got native plants rather than invasives mm -hmm. uh, can be a can be a big deal. Um, doing things like adding solar and other alternative energy sources can really be a benefit for uh, the camp, but it can also be a, a place of learning for the for the people that come to camp. Um, so you can advocate for different things like that. Um, and you can work it into your programs. I mean, Things, simple things like gardening, you know, having young people interact with the garden and eat the produce from the garden and using rain barrels to water the garden. You know, there, there are things like that where you can teach care for the environment in your programs. And so I encourage people to do that as well. Yeah. And a lot of those things to some of what we talked about are, are, are things that can get taken home then, right? That whether that's, you know, some of those technology pieces that you use to facilitate those connections, that's it. This 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 thing in my hand is coming home with me, and and now I've got three apps that facilitate that. And now I yeah. want to get outside at home. And now I want to, you know, now I want to go see what nature's like around my around my space. That that's a great question to be asking in all in all of these things. Does this enhance? Does this does this take away? Does this connect me? Because the you know the data says that it does good things for our bodies and our minds and our spirits when we are connected with nature when Absolutely. we're outside. And you said, you said right there, learn, learn about your environment. 
you know, and I didn't, I mean, that's, that's a key thing that you can do. Do you know the flora and fauna of your environment? Do you have an interactive space, a nature center or whatever, where people can go and learn about, you know, what are the native species? Um, what are some of the things that went extinct? What's some of the geological history of our area? What's some of the historical history of our area in terms of, um, you know, the, the native tribes that were in this area and how they interacted with the environment? There's all these things that you can do to learn about your specific space and teach the people as they come. And so you can be a nature center in that way as well and a, and a, and a place of, of education and learning. Um, and not all our camps uh, employ an, an environmental ed person or a naturalist. Uh, but that's something that I encourage you to do. Um, and if you don't have that person, uh, making sure that you have somebody on summer staff that can do that or that you're connected with a local university uh, with somebody who's passionate about that, uh, because you should be a place of learning um, as well. I think there I think there are to, to take that a next step, because it, it in some ways it's like, oh, to build a whole environmental ed program feels really feels really big. But the integration with what you're already doing is absolutely possible in those things. And whether you have someone like that naturalist or maybe it's maybe it's somebody from the community who just like reads through the bible studies or the plan or the program or the schedule and says oh here's where here's where some of this could be that feels like something that could be so to integrate this into what into what you're already doing is is something that is possible it is very possible and use what you have use what you have you know you've got the flora and fauna around you use those things and teach about those particular things a cool plant that's native to your area Use the night sky. My goodness. I mean, like, what an important thing to do at summer camp and at our retreats. Do you have a telescope? Do you have a place for observing the night sky? I mean, right now, Jupiter is almost at opposition. You can look through binoculars and see the disk of Jupiter. You don't even need a telescope right now to see the disk of Jupiter. It's amazing. Like, you know, know when some of these things are happening know how to identify some of these things and help the help people interact with these things so that they get more of a passion for it and want to interact with nature more when they get back home. Amen. Let's get outside, huh? Yeah, I'm I'm sitting in my basement in front of my computer right now talking to you and I I want to go outside and you know hang out and jump in the leaves. So You got to run. You need to get a run in. I think I do need to get a run in. That's a good idea. One of my trees goes really early, so I got to go rake. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Make it up and then make sure all the kids get a chance to jump in the pile. That's the plan. That's the plan. Thanks, everybody. Have fun outside. We'll see you next time on the Sacred Playgrounds podcast. Thanks for listening to the Sacred Playgrounds podcast. This episode was produced by me, Jared Randell, and featured Dr. Jake Sorensen lead researcher and founder at Sacred Playgrounds, LLC. Our theme music was written and performed by Taylor Wilson. You can find his original songs wherever you get your music. Learn more and connect with the Sacred Playgrounds team at sacredplaygrounds.com.